All righty, this week we've got an exciting week of primetime previews coming up. Ryan Fulmer and myself are involved in this. So, Fudd, how are you doing this week? Oh, I'm doing absolutely amazing, Tyler. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We had a great week of football. Now, the primetime games that we're going to be covering weren't very exciting. And uh, maybe the most exciting one, and it pains me to say it, would be the Giants-Eagles game, which was the one I was least excited going into it. But the NFL just is so interesting. Let's start with this Cowboys-Bears game that really surprised a lot of people, myself including, and really changed how I view Dallas, even though – I ran into an issue with them a couple weeks ago when we had a bet about them, and they lost me that bet. But thankfully, I didn't have to do the push-ups as I won the next week. The 31-24 to win for the Bears over the Cowboys. What did you get from this game? Because I have quite a few takeaways, actually. Yeah, that game completely threw me off. It wasn't, ex- it wasn't what we expected. I mean, what, we saw two mediocre teams kind of step up in prime time, but it was insane because – what it was, it was insane because Mitch Trubisky ended up scoring three passing touchdowns and he rushed in for another one. And honestly, I think everybody this season has kind of given up hope on him and thought, I don't know, his career with the Bears might be done. But I don't know, he just stepped up and had a big game. So good for him, good for the Chicago Bears. I know when we predicted this, we said they were going to get stomped and it was going to be low scoring. I told my friend Taylor, who helps us sometimes on the Fantasy Champs podcast. I told him not to pick the Cowboys, or not to pick the Bears, my, my, my bad, as the Bears were a joke. And I kept laughing at him, and I said, you know what would be really funny is who I'm predicting to just really step up on a Thursday night? Mitchell Trubisky, which before the game, like you said, everyone had been talking about it, that Mitchell Trubisky kind of sucked and was maybe going to end up on another team. And so it seemed fitting that Mitchell Trubisky wouldn't be able to do this. And, of course, what does Mitch do? He throws 23 of 31, 244, three touchdowns and one pick. He only gets sacked two times. This is something you like to always bring up is QBR. He's got an 80.4. He's got a passer rating of 115.5. So he had a really good game, and it really stood out for him. Did you notice how Mitchell Trubisky was a lot more mobile in this game? He had 10 carries. Oh, yeah. He was definitely – I mean, I, it reminded me of him playing in college. He didn't look afraid of anything. It, I, a lot of this season, I feel like he's kind of looked hesitant, and I don't know, he's kind of hasn't been playing to his full potential. But this week, it kind of looked like I don't know, he threw caution to the wind and he just went out and played football. He had fun on a Thursday night. He made every aspect of the game look easy, and – I don't know. He, I think that their offense is kind of what shut down the Cowboys because Cowboys defense cannot stop them whatsoever. And then their offense just started mirroring that they just played so slow. I mean, it was absolutely demoralizing because the offense for the Cowboys went out and had one of the longest drives I'd ever seen. I think it was the longest drive this season to start the game out. They get seven points and you just kind of look around and you think to yourself, well, this is a 7 nothing game for Dallas. They've won it. The Bears go on to score uh, 24 unanswered through the second and the third quarter. Insane game by them. And like you said, it seemed like the, like the Bears' offense was the kryptonite because it was in that fact that the, the Cowboys, they were good enough to win this game offensively. 
but I they weren't good enough to win this game defensively. And one thing I do want to talk about and I want to ask you about, because I've been a big proponent in Dak, and I still believe in Dak. I think Dak is a really good quarterback. I don't think he's, you know, a top five, maybe top seven quarterback, but I could definitely see him from top 15 to top eight, somewhere in that range. But Dak Prescott, in my mind, this season has basically been a statistic guy. He's putting up 334 yards. He's got a touchdown, uh, only got sacked twice, had a quarterback rating of 51.2 and a passer rating of 83.2. Not a horrible game, per se, but when you watch it and actually watch the game, he did not look good. What do you think about Dak? <laughs> I think Dak is a good quarterback, and I really like him. Um, I think the Cowboys believe they found their guy, and they're going to invest a lot in him. I think he'll get paid this offseason. Um, but he didn't look this good. He didn't look good this game at all. He was slow. The team was struggling. I mean, he scored 17 points in the fourth quarter, but to me, that was garbage time. I didn't really think, no matter how many points Cowboys score, they were going to come back from how much they were down. Um. Yeah, he, he kind of – that offense was just really slow. I, I thought uh, the receivers had a hard time getting open. And granted, the Cow- or the Bears are – they are a top-10 defense, so I, I guess we're not – we shouldn't be too surprised that the Cowboys struggled. But I don't think he looked good this, se- this game, but throughout the season I have been impressed with him. I mean, heck, both these teams were in the playoffs last year, so I'm not surprised that on a primetime game they stepped up and was – playing I don't want to say they're playing to a playoff caliber of a game but they're playing like they both have should be in the conversations well not the Cowboys though I they didn't impress me well the Cowboys and that's the most crazy thing about this because the Bears are sitting at seven and six with very slim playoff hopes I mean there's no it seems almost astronomical that they even make it now granted it's still there but it, it, you can almost write them off. However, you look at the six and seven Cowboys, they're leading their division. They have a chance to host a playoff game. And I'm not one of those people that if you listen around ESPN, you know, NBC, all these talking heads saying, well, it's just ridiculous that the NFL is allowing a team of a six and seven record to host the San Francisco 49ers or the Seahawks, which are going to have five more wins than blah, 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 all this. I mean, you can uh, you can argue all that if you want, but in my opinion, winning a division is important. The fact that the Cowboys are so awful and the fact that the rest of the NFC East is so awful is what I have a problem with. It's not the fact that I don't think the Cowboys should be able to host the playoff game. You go back to the NFC uh, wildcard game in 2010, and I know you as a Saints fan, you're not going to like this, but the 11-5 and Saints had to go – to Seattle and play the Seahawks. And that was the infamous beast quake game. The Seahawks were seven and nine and the saints were 11 and five. Now, granted the Cowboys could have a better record. They could have a worse record. We don't really know what's going to happen to them, but moving forward is my point. I don't think the Cowboys are a good enough team to even pull off what the, the Seahawks did that year. If they do host a playoff game and if they have to play the Seahawks or the 49ers, I think they'll get, crushed what do you think yeah I don't think they'll make any noise in the playoffs obviously I think they're gonna go I think the one the division because they're really competing against the Eagles who we saw last night they didn't look that good so the Cowboys will be in the playoffs but they're not gonna beat anyone I mean they're gonna like you said they're gonna be the four seed and they'll have to play a wild card and 
I don't know. The NFC is tough, except for the Cowboys. So, I don't see them winning. I mean, the, every big game they've played this year, they've lost. Every time they played a good defense, they played uh, top ten defense for the past three weeks, and they have not looked good. So, if they're in the playoffs, I think they're just be embarrassed. However, I, I still think the playoffs should be ran how they're supposed to. Like winning your division is a big deal. And this just shows that every, every team deserves a chance. Every conference champion, every division champion deserves their fight at the playoffs. I just no, no matter who wins it from this division, they're they're not going to do anything. But whatever team they play, it's almost going to be like a bye for them. You know, and here's the thing: is let's go over the NFC East real quick before uh, we wrap up this recap. But. We've got the the Cowboys sitting at six and seven. The Eagles as well sitting at six and seven. However, they're in second place as the Cowboys have the tiebreaker right now. The Redskins are three and ten, and the Giants two and eleven. I mean, it's in, and you you can get by with a division with two teams being less than five wins at this point. That's not necessarily out of the you know realm of possibility, but it's the fact that you have no team currently that has over eight wins and it's written and there's honestly a chance that either the Cowboys or the Eagles could finish eight and eight and host a playoff game. And I'm, I 100% agree with you. I think that if you win your division, you should absolutely, I think that structure the way it is, is perfect. I don't think it should change because there's some years that it happens like this and some years that it doesn't. I think this is just one of those years that people will complain about, but we'll have exciting playoff games. But it is kind of mind-boggling to think that eight and eight is is good enough, just based on how bad the rest of the teams in that division are. I mean, yeah, that that whole division is weak, and no matter which one's going to the playoffs, um, they're going to get stomped just because that division is not a play where they're they're not going to they're not going to produce any playoff team, playoff caliber team. Obviously, some will go, but. Goes, yeah, they're not going to be any threat. Yeah, yeah, it'll almost be like a buy. Well, I I disagree with you on that aspect, but I do understand <laughs> where you're coming with, with the buy thing. But I disagree that it'd be almost like a buy. Moving forward, it was probably the most surprising victory in terms of shaking up the playoffs, as the Seahawks had a chance to keep pace with the 49ers and keep the number one seed in the NFC. They lose to the Rams 28-12 and are now the fifth seed in the NFC. Most likely having to play the Cowboys or the Eagles. Like we were just discussing, this Seahawks team is way better than any of those two teams. But in the context of a Los Angeles Rams-Seahawks game and an NFC West divisional matchup, man, was it exciting. It seemed like the Rams finally had some life in their offense. Jared Goff, despite throwing two picks, threw 293 yards, two touchdowns, at a quarterback rating of 91.9, and a, a, cube, or a passer rating of 95.2. Maybe the most surprising aspect of it all was Todd Gurley, because it looks like Todd Gurley's back. 23 carries, 79 yards on the ground. He had a touchdown. His longest rush was 23 yards, but he also caught four passes for 34 yards with a long of 24. 20 yards. He had four targets. Uh, so he caught all the passes his direction. Is this Rams team, are they back on track? Or is this just one of those weird divisional weeks? Uh, no, the Rams are, I think they're finally on track. They've played well the past couple weeks. Um, 
and I, I think this because they they've definitely been in a slump in the sense that ever since they played in the Super Bowl and Belichick exposed how to beat them, um, teams took advantage of that for the first half of the season. But I think Los Angeles is finally starting to adjust. I mean, yeah, they got stomped by the Ravens to two, three weeks. Yeah, three weeks ago they got stomped by the Ravens, and that looked bad. But then they come out against the Cardinals last week, and they they. I mean, they looked amazing. Jared Goff looked exactly how he should be playing. Uh, then they come out against the Seahawks, and I think they're finally playing the way they're supposed to. Um, I mean, people, if they keep it up, they're gonna, they can have they have a chance to be a really big playoff threat, in my opinion. Because I mean, they just knocked off one of the teams that we'll probably see in the playoffs. Um, heck, too, they already beat the Saints. They don't have a whole lot of wins, but their their wins are against big teams. Well, they're just – they're not as bad as people make them out to be, I don't think. I think that this whole season has been blown out of proportion. And they're they're upset. A lot of fans, I feel like, are upset that the, the Rams are not as good as they were last year. This is the NFL. That's hard to do. It's hard to be good every single year because we uh, – there's so much that changes – Week or just week to week, let alone season to season. Um, there's injuries, and Todd Gurley looked a lot better physically this week. I don't necessarily know if it was a if it was a change in how they were utilizing him, but he looked better than he's looked all season. So it was interesting to see the Rams because I don't necessarily disagree with you that they're the type of team that if they get in is that sixth seed in the wild card, which again, in this NFC, it's going to be tough. Eight and five, they're on the outside looking in and they might have to win two of their last three games to even have a shot and make it to that 10 and six spot. But this Seahawks team discourage you at all. Does it from them? I, I was shocked by the way Seattle played. They were very slow. Their offense couldn't move the ball. Uh, but Seahawks is, is good. I, I don't expect to see this anymore from the season. Uh, I mean, they're a really good team, and I don't know what happened pregame, but the Rams just took advantage of that first quarter. They, I mean, they just scored so many points that I feel like in the second half, the Seahawks just looked beat. The Seahawks just looked – that they were uninspired. And one thing I want to touch on real quick before we um, uh, continue on this, I forgot about it. The Cowboys and Bears game was appalling to me. I don't. I normally don't get upset about uh, like how play looks and all that, but Jason Garrett should be fired. The way that he <laughs> looked that game and the way those teams looked, or the way that Cowboys team looked, even though they still had a shot to win the game, it looked like at halftime they'd given up. That was just, you said that, and that just made me think about it. This Seahawks team should not have another game like this. But if this team has another loss and they have to walk into uh, like a situation where they play the Eagles or the Cowboys, they're moving on, right? In your mind, like this is an easy, like the bye week thing you're talking about, it would be a bye week, but the Seahawks are 100% moving on. No doubt, correct? Yeah, absolutely. The Seahawks, I, I don't know what happened this week. They they don't look good, at, but it, this this should be the only time we see it. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. 
and they're they're probably going to be in the conversation for the final four for their uh, NFC. They're they're really good. This was just a bump of the road, but I think this is going to give them a chip on their shoulder. I mean, they're they're going to be mad that I, I want to say they got embarrassed this game because they they've just been such a dominant force that they didn't look good this week, and I think. I mean, it's just rough, like, chip on their shoulder. They're going to come into work probably on Monday, Tuesday, and they're just going to think about all the missed opportunities, everything that they didn't capitalize on. And if people know anything about Russell Wilson, he's one driven individual. So this just is probably going to help them take their game to the next level, in my opinion. Oh, you're not wrong. Russell Wilson is those that type of person that is a hard worker. And and not that not that like Jared Goff or these other quarterbacks in the league aren't working hard. You have to be a hard worker to make it to the league, obviously. But when you compare the NFL guys to each other, Russell Wilson stands out for how much he works. He's always constantly that grind that I'm gonna get better, I'm gonna be better. He believes every single time that he steps on the field as well that he can win the football game. And the Seahawks, I mean, you and I have a really good feeling for him, I feel like, than maybe people who have kind of just started getting into football, obviously. The Seahawks used to not be good. The Seahawks used to be bad. I mean, you had the Matt Hasselback years, which they went to a Super Bowl and they played the Steelers and lost. However, that, I mean, that was more of a, the end of what was the running Sean Alexander's years. But since then, the Seahawks before Russell Wilson weren't really good, but now they're, they're a, an eight win plus team every year. Yeah. They're a good football organization. History shows that the Seahawks haven't been impressive, but eight years ago when they drafted Russell Wilson, that's when things are turned around. And now you look, you look at the Seahawks and you think of them being, a good football team. You don't have to know much about them, but you just expect them, like you're saying, to have at least a 500 record. Um, they're really good. One thing that when Russell Wilson first got in the league, I heard a story about was he sees like a sports psychologist and he always talked to him. And it's kind of like he works, not only does he work on the physical aspect of his game, but like for him, it's so mental. Like, so before every game, he kind of walks around the stadium and just kind of finds different spots where he can like be at peace so that, when shit hits the fan during the game or during the game, he knows that he has one pre-planned area where he can kind of go and like recollect himself and kind of like turn off and on his on switch for a second. Like he does that and he'll find different spots throughout the field where if they're in a situation on the 50 yard line and he takes a tough sack and his head's just not clear, he knows like he has a pre-planned spot on the field where he's going to be able to walk and stand and just kind of reset his mind. Like that dude takes every, physical and mental aspect of the game so seriously and I mean it just shows how good the Seahawks are now and I, it's because of him yes they had the Legion of Boom in the past we're through that era and they're still a 10 and 3 football team right now we're through the Legion of Boom era they don't really have a whole lot of offensive threats outside of Russell Wilson but they're a 10 and 3 football team who's probably going to make the playoffs well, I think at this point, they're 100% making the playoffs. I don't see the Vikings making tremendous strides to force them out. Uh, at worst, the Seahawks, with 10 wins, make the sixth seed at 10-6. and six. 
I don't see them losing their last three games. They play the Rams again, I believe. And um, well, no, no, they do not. They already play the Rams twice. Um, but the Seahawks team definitely has the chance to make a deep run in the playoffs. Russell Wilson, a sensational quarterback. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting about this, they really didn't get the running game going as well. You know, Chris Carson, 76 yards, no touchdown though. While he did average five and a half yards a carry, <laughs> well, 5.1 yards a carry, I don't know where I got the half at. Um, it, it seemed uninspired. It seemed that it wasn't Russell Wilson and the running game working together, but it was two different entities. It was Russell Wilson and then, oh, yeah, we have to run the football. It wasn't, let's run the football to help Russell Wilson. But the Rams walk out at 8-5 and five now. They're in a perfect position to hopefully make a push, it seems. Let's look at the NFC West before we move on. You've got the San Francisco 49ers at 11-2. You've got the Seattle Seahawks at 10-3. And, and you've got Los Angeles at eight and five, and rounding out the bottom, Arizona at three nine and one. They've been an interesting team, but they've they've played the seal or the 49ers hard twice. Is there anything else you want to add on to this game before we move on to our Monday night game? No, I'm ready to talk about the Monday night game. For me, that was my favorite. It was the most exciting. Um, yeah, this game was slow at portions, but as a football fan, it gave me everything I needed last night. It was, a, it was, you know, we talked about this beforehand. And I think a lot of your bias kind of comes from the fact that you had in a, uh, a fantasy football matchup looming. You had to win. Carson Wentz pulled it through you. You also had a choice between Eli Manning and Carson Wentz. So this was a game that you had to be a part of um, and whatnot, especially if you're a fantasy thing. But this was the game I was least excited about coming in. Like I said, when we first started this podcast, but it was the most exciting game, and it pains me to say that. However, one thing that we did not talk about because at the time, Danny Dimes was the starting quarterback for the New York Giants. But Eli Manning makes his way back into this rivalry. And now, after this loss, Eli Manning for his career is below 500. He was at 500 before this, and then one loss puts him at below 500. This game seemed like Eli Manning was going to win it in the first half. And then Carson Wentz and the Eagles just kind of kept chipping away and put it into overtime and the game-winning touchdown at the end for them to win it. What did you have to come – what did you come away from this game besides your fantasy aspect? I mean, I, I was, I'm impressed with the Eagles. Not in the way – because they, they looked bad last night and it wasn't until the fourth quarter they actually – came on as a football team, in my opinion. But Carson Wentz relied on a bunch of guys off his practice squad. And then he had Zach Ertz, obviously, his go-to man. But the Eagles were so beat up. I mean, I didn't know who was going to catch the pass because they didn't really have a whole lot of their healthy players out there. I mean, even uh, Aslan, like, Aslan Jeffrey started the game, but it was like in the first quarter he didn't have a single catch and limped off the field. I mean, Jordan Howard was hurt, like, Nelson Aguilar. Like, the Eagles had no stars playing for them, so I wasn't surprised that their offense was slow because it really was Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, and then some guys off their practice squad. This – Zach Ertz, interesting thing you bring him up, obviously, because 
oh, I guess it's not interesting because he was the big star of the game. He had the two touchdowns with Carson Wentz. He had two really big back-to-back, wide open, where are where is the defense type of throws to him. I mean, Zach Ertz, for the longest time, was in that echelon talk of like the Gronk, the Kelseys, the George Kittles of the league. And then this season kind of fell off a little bit. But this was another game where primetime, people are watching. You've got eyes on all the league. People just want to watch football. Zach Ertz makes two big plays. Nine receptions, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Along of 30, he was targeted 13 times. Zach Ertz's name was brought up a lot. <laughs> he's he's good. He's good. He's a good football player. He's got um, a chance here. Same with Carson Wentz, who I also think is really good as well. I think some people have been kind of looking down on him. You know, he, he wasn't what he was a couple years ago but with the MVP before he hurt himself, and they're not as good as they were last year. He's been injury prone. But Carson Wentz is way better than Nick Foles ever could have been. And him and Zach Ertz, they have a future ahead of them. They're going to work together. They're going to play well. And they might even make themselves in the playoffs. You know, if they, they end up beating those uh, that Cowboys team. Saquon Barkley, 17 carries, 66 yards, had the longest rush of 11 yards. What is wrong with Saquon Barkley in your mind? Uh, really bad New York Giants football team. There's nothing wrong with Saquon Barkley. The dude's absolutely insane. He's the best athlete on the field whenever he is on a field. Um, he he had a bad night. I don't think there's anything wrong with him as a player. I just think for how young he is and the cast he has around him, it's hard for him to be successful. But he still finds ways to do it. I mean, he's a human highlight reel, just not this game. He is a sensational football player. Uh, He hasn't really been playing as well. I said, the last time we talked about this, I said, Giants fans, if you're upset about the fact that you're not winning a lot, understand that playing Danny Dimes gives you the best chance of the future. But Eli Manning gives you the best chance to win. He proved it yet again. Granted, he didn't score any points in the first, third, or fourth quarter, even overtime. But he had 17 points in the second quarter. Eli Manning looked like vintage Eli Manning. Just making plays out there. He's not the Eli Manning that he used to be, which a lot of people could even argue wasn't that great. I don't understand those arguments. I don't agree with them. I understand them, though. But this was a game where, again, I don't think if Danny Dimes was in it, I don't even think it's – you think that this was the type of game it was if Danny Dimes plays? you think the Eagles have to go to overtime to win this game? Uh, yes, I think no matter what, whoever the Giants start quarterback, the game probably would have ended this way because the Giants' offense, they, they were hot in the first and second quarter. They, they, they looked really good. Second half, though, they didn't really do a whole lot. Um, but I thought it was the Giants' defense that really stepped up. The Giants' defense was the game changer, the pace setter, just because Philly couldn't do anything at all. Um, I agree with Danny Dimes. They're playing him because they want to see who they have. They, they're they going to have an early draft pick. So they're trying to figure out, are we going to stick with Danny Dimes or are we are we going to go out and try to get a two-it or someone else? Uh but Eli Manning, they, they, if they started him all season, they would probably have a lot more wins. 
even though he's not that good of a quarterback, he's just played for this team for so long and he has so much more NFL experience that all these close games, I mean, he's comfortable in those close games. He beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl or he beat, like, he's comfortable in close games. It's just uh, Eli Manning's also a veteran, too. I mean, not only does he have those big games, but he's not a rookie. You know, he's been in the league for 15 years. Think about just anything that you've done for 15 years. You know how to do it. You know the ins and outs. And while you might not be perfect every time, you do good enough to get the job done. And you could argue that Eli Manning did not do the good enough to get the job done as they lost. However, I don't think Danny Dimes helps them at all um, in this situation. I don't think it's a overtime game where – even the Eagles have to win it at the end and have some Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz magic. Darius Slayton. That was a guy you talked about beforehand. Kind of come out of nowhere. Five catches, 154 yards, two touchdowns. He had eight targets his way. Eli Manning, what is going on? Throwing the ball all over the place to Darius Slayton. Now here's the other surprising one. Okay, Golden Tate had one catch, 11 yards. You're a big Golden Tate fan. I think he's pretty good. Most surprising, he was targeted five times. Moving forward, do the Giants take Danny Dimes, put him back in, um, or should they just ride out this season? Let Eli get a couple wins? Let him uh, finish out his legacy and the Giants just kind of move on from him? As an NFL fan... I want to see Eli Manning finish the season. I don't want him to be below 500 in his career wins. Uh, and I, I think he can go out there and get a couple more. He's got three more chances. And I hope he plays them. I think, though, the way the Giants will handle it is they're not going to force or they're not going to rush uh, Daniel Jones to get healthy and get on the field. And they shouldn't. They should give him all the time he needs to get healthy. And if he only needs two weeks, then they're probably going to plug him in for the last game. But, I don't know, I, I really want to see Eli Manning finish the season out. It was so nice to watch him play last last night. And I think that just made the game, the kind of the, I don't know, third game of the week. Uh, schedule-wise, just looking at it, it wasn't very good teams playing each other on a Monday night. But I think he kind of made that game a little more exciting just because he was at 500. Is he going to win? Is he going to lose? Well, he lost, so I need to see him get two more wins, at least one more win, so... Because I don't know what to do next season, but I don't think he's going to be playing for the Giants. So I want to see him at 500 or above 500 in his career. There were talks. I think it was uh, Wingo and or Golik and Wingo. I was listening to this morning. They were talking about it, and they were looking at teams that he could go to because, I mean, the writing's on the wall. The Giants are not bringing him back. I don't think they want to cut him. Um, I think they'd rather him retire. But if he wants to look at other teams in this league, it doesn't – there's really no place in the NFL right now that would be better taking Eli Manning over whatever they have right now. I feel like Eli Manning, while is still good, I also think that uh, is not better than a lot of people's options. And even if, it, even if he is currently better, it's not going to be the case in two to three years. And for those teams that have what they have, it doesn't really seem a lot to <laughs> blow up their plans with their young quarterbacks. Speaking of young quarterbacks, we've got Sam Darnold traveling to Baltimore 
to play Lamar Jackson with the New York Jets playing the Baltimore Ravens. What a great game, right? This is going to be our Thursday night game. The Ravens, they've been sensational all year, and the Jets, well, they've been interesting nonetheless. It seems that even though Le'Veon Bell missed last week, ended up going out bowling, (laughs) he will return this week and play the Ravens. Bell and the Ravens don't have the best of relationships as Bell is a former Steelers or Steeler, I should say. Sorry, as I just burped there. Man, I'm going crazy over here. Let me rephrase that. Bell and the Ravens do not have the best relationship as Bell is a former Steeler. And they have seen him run all over them multiple times, but he's also been stopped by them multiple times. This is obviously a Ravens win, 100%. I'm not even going to ask you if you think the Ravens are going to win. Is this going to be a close game? Are we just looking at one of those snooze fests on Thursday night where the Ravens get out three touchdowns and then it's pretty much over after the first quarter? Yes, the Ravens are 100% going to win. You don't need to ask me because writing's on the wall. Um yeah, this it's not going to be – the Jets aren't going to be able to score points on him, I don't think. Uh, Le'Veon Bell said he's not happy with the roles that he has there. I don't know what exactly – what role he wants, but I just know he's not happy play, like with the current state of the team. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see the Le'Veon Bell that we did in the past when he played the Ravens because he had some super exciting games in the past against him. This year isn't going to be that exciting. Uh, the Ravens' defense is going to stop Sam Darnold. Uh, I think all around, the Ravens are going to dominate it, and we'll probably see RG3 playing by the third quarter. Lamar Jackson is a sensational player, obviously. MVP level caliber this season. 2,600 uh, passing yards, 28 touchdowns. He had six interceptions to go along with that. But maybe the most sensational part about what Lamar Jackson has done this season, he has become the second quarterback in NFL history behind Michael Vick to rush for over 1,000 yards. Lamar Jackson has 1,017 yards on this season. He's going to run wild against this Jets team. Maybe just because this isn't as as an exciting game in terms of playoffs, I'm going to ask you a little moving ahead. Does Lamar Jackson moving forward with the rest of this season, going into the postseason, do you see his rushing increasing, staying the same, or decreasing as the postseason rolls along? It's only going to increase. At heart, that's who he is. Uh, I don't care about anything that he says. He's a prefers to run the football, although he's good at all levels of the game when it comes to playing quarterback. I think he prefers to run the ball, and if they ever get down, it, who, who's the player you rely on? Your quarterback. If that if your team's struggling, who, who do you look to to kind of spark a fire? Your quarterback. Um, so in that situation, they do so much RPO stuff that, like, if they're losing – he's probably going to pull the ball and go try to get a first down because he knows he can. He's done it his whole career. People's doubted him his whole career. This is just an opportunity for him to show him that he he can run it, he can throw it. He doesn't care. He's just going to win the damn football game. And if that means he's going to have to pull the ball down and run it against the Patriots defense or 
I mean, whoever else they face in the playoffs, like he's gonna do that. He's not scared, and I don't, I don't see any reason why they would. I don't know why they would want someone else to run the ball when you have him and Mark Ingram. Like those two are one-two punch. Read option with them, and it doesn't matter if he keeps or gives it. That team is gonna be a good playoff team. The Ravens right now have a chance if they win this to sweep the AFC East. And not many teams ever have the opportunity to say that because the Patriots play in that division. This is by far the best Ravens team I think we've seen. This is better than their 2012 team because that 2012 team kind of surprised people when they made it to the playoffs. Yeah, they didn't. The 2012 team wasn't – I mean, they were good football teams. They made the playoffs, but – I don't think people looked at them for winning it until they played the Patriots and then they beat the Patriots and I was like, holy crap, Ray Lewis is really going to win a Super Bowl and then retire. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and it's crazy because the Ravens are a good football team. That wasn't too long ago. That was when Kaepernick was good and was playing at the height of his powers in the NFL. And the Ravens have seemed to reload new quarterback, new offensive system, new running back. Same head coach, a new revamped defense. There is no longer the Ray Lewis leading that middle of that defense. It's some other guy. It's a fade. No, there's no Ed Reed back there anymore. It's another guy, uh, Earl, Earl Thomas, another star safety. It seems that the Ravens always do well when they have a star safety, and so do the Steelers, a.k.a. Minka Fitzpatrick or Troy Palmer. Um, look at that direction. This Ravens-Jets game, uh, it seems so one-sided to the Ravens, and we've got two really interesting games to talk about, the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. I suggest we move on unless there's anything else that you want to add. No, let's move on to uh, Sunday night. Let's talk about your favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, versus the stout Buffalo defense. Well, this is probably the most excited I've been for a football game just because – I shouldn't be excited right now. I I shouldn't even have a chance to be in the playoffs. This team of the Pittsburgh Steelers start out one and four. They've won seven and one since then. Their one loss being against the Browns of all teams. It's very interesting. Remember the Browns beat the Ravens for everyone out there. Just kind of throwing that weird tidbit out there of the NFL, man. It's just the craziest sport. This Buffalo Bills team, went toe-to-toe with the Ravens, so did the Steelers team. So it seems on paper that these two teams are matched up for a wonderful Sunday night game. I have the weird feeling, though, that the Bills are going to shit the bed. What do you think? Huh, I didn't think that. I never, I didn't think the – there's no indication to me that they're going to be a scared football team, and I, I think – this is going to be a competitive game. It's a Sunday night. Both teams need to do something magical to make the playoffs. And this is their opportunity. Um, I mean, whether the Steelers win, whether the Bills win, I mean, it's a statement game for them. I think the Steelers are going to win because they've, they've just been on a hot streak. They were slow, like, like you were saying at the beginning of the year, but they're 7-1 to one now. Um and this is where the game matters the most because they have to get into the playoffs. And Buffalo is currently staying in their way. And although Buffalo has a really good defense, I don't I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Steelers from winning. 
The Steelers. Oh, sorry. What well, I was going to say because the Steelers know how to win. That's just what history's shown. They have so many Super Bowls to their name. They know how to win. Buffalo knows how to jump through flaming tables. This is going to be a nuts game. The Steelers are sitting at eight and five. The Titans are sitting at eight and five. The Bills, who are the fifth seed, are sitting at nine and four. The Steelers could theoretically lose this game. Theoretically, and they would drop down to the seventh seed if the Titans win. They're still in playoffs. However, this is a must win for the Steelers. If they win and the Titans win, the Bills, the Steelers, and the Titans are all sitting at nine and five, and the Steelers move up to the fifth seed because they have the tiebreaker over the Bills. It gives them a little bit of breathing room. But like you said, the Bills need this too because they've got to play the Patriots again. Okay, this is an important game for them if they want to look at their playoffs because even if you want to talk about Tom Brady's done, Tom Brady's this, Tom Brady's that, I guarantee you the fans and the team in Buffalo are saying it's Tom Brady. Okay, he's going to he's gonna surprise you and do Tom Brady things. They need before they have to play Tom Brady again. This Pittsburgh team, though, they look different. Just absolutely different with Doc Hodges as their quarterback. I was amazed at Rudolph's supporter. You know what? There's still that voice in the back of my head that's saying if he had never gotten hit by the Rav- the Ravens, where he got looked like he got shot back in a 1919, he would have he maybe would have been good. But the reality of the situation is he's booty. And Doc Hodges. As much as I've gotten frustrated over the clamoring of this duck-calling quarterback, he seems to be changing the way Steelers play. They don't look scared offensively at all anymore. He's making throws that Big Ben would make just simply off of ballsiness. And we all, I mean, I feel like maybe we all don't know it. Maybe you're not as familiar with it, but as a Steelers fan, Watching Big Ben just throw questionable balls and get him picked off is the what it is being a Steelers fan. What is another tidbit you have from this game? I've been rambling a little bit. Uh, repeat that. What was that last question? I said, what is another tidbit or another like little interesting thing you want to add to this game that you've been thinking about um, as I've been rambling for a little bit? Well, Pittsburgh's defense is dominant. Uh, maybe not dominant, but ever since they got Minka back there at safety, I loved every bit of what they're doing on the defense side of the ball. I haven't been impressed with Buffalo. Um, so, I don't know. I think this game's going to come down to the Buffalo Bills defense. If they want to have a chance to win, then their defense is going to have to win this game. They're going to have to keep Pittsburgh out of the end zone. I think they're able to do that. I, I'm a defensive guy. I love to watch football where – Honestly, where it's a defensive game, because to me that's exciting is when those guys get love and make some plays, um, and they need to do that this week. They, they've done it, uh, I mean, so many times this season. They just did it against Baltimore, only holding them 24 points. Like, not many teams have been able to do that. They have to keep playing at the level they were playing last week, and then you know what? They, they'll probably get the win, because I, I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to Buffalo's offense, but – I, I think if they're if their team's able to stop, Josh Allen is going to be able to score touchdowns. Um, so, Pitts, so Pittsburgh isn't, huh? 
Yeah, I'm still saying Pittsburgh wins. Now I'm starting to think about the defense and the fact that they are rolling with the third-string quarterback. Um, I'm starting to think maybe Buffalo has a chance, but I'm, Pittsburgh's going to win the game. It's going to rely so much on Buffalo's defense, though. I think Buffalo's defense has the better matchup. The Duck Hodges and the questionable return of Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, even Jalen Samuels, and then for those real diehard Steelers fans out there, Vance McDonald's, which you know is very important to their offenses. He has been their only real productive tight end. But, again, it just seems to me – and maybe this is just the bias of the Steelers, and I'm getting excited because they have a chance. They're 8-5. and five. They need this win. It's like a must-win game for them. And the Bills aren't a primetime game. They don't really have that culture there. It just seems that this is going to be one of those games where the Steelers, they win 17-6, to six, and it really isn't a close game. It's all It's been wrapped up the whole game, but there's bits and pieces here where you're just like, the Steelers are bad enough that the Bills have a chance to make it a game, but don't. And again, I could be completely wrong, but that's going to be my, that's what I'm saying right now. Um, John Brown, 908 yards on 64 catches and five touchdowns this year. He's been sensational, huh? Yes, he definitely has been, but I'm not too surprised about that. I mean, Josh Allen is a good quarterback. Someone there has to catch the ball. John Brown, uh, he hasn't been a huge household name, but he's been a good number two receiver for the teams he's played on in the past. So I'm glad to see he's kind of emerging as that number one guy out in Buffalo. So I am um, – another thing that I think is really interesting about this game because you were talking earlier about the Steelers' defense. The Steelers' defense has been sensational this year. The Bills' defense has been really good as well. The Steelers, you could always argue that they've had a good defense. Now, for the last five years, it's been really suspect, especially since they lost Ryan Shazier. The Bills, though, never have had a good defense, it seems. I mean, you have to go back to the early start of the Tom Brady dynasty when the Bills were even a semblance of a good football team. This has to be a good building box for Buffalo and something that they have to look forward to, right? Like this is this is good building blocks for the next three or four years. Absolutely. If you have a team that is able to rely on their defense, then you're you're a good team. Whether your offense is able to put points up or not, if you have a defense that's able to hold teams out of the end zone, then you're gonna win some football games. And I Buffalo's shown flashes of that this season. Uh I'm very impressed with the D line. They're starting to develop a secondary. I, I, I think this is the building blocks of a potential, I don't know, I think in the next coming years we might see a good Buffalo team because we, ha- we haven't really in our lifespan. Granted, they made the playoffs, uh, what, like two years ago. I, I think we might be seeing that more. If you have a good defense, I, like everyone says, defense wins championships, and this is the start of a really good defense. They've shown flashes. Um, a lot of their key guys are still young, though. If they keep drafting and signing free agents – I think Buffalo have, I don't know, maybe historic defense. Who knows? I, I imagine them as a historic team because they used to have so much history. I've just never seen it. Moving on to the Saints and Colts game. 
you've got a lot I feel like you want to unpack with the Saints team. You said beforehand you weren't going to talk about it. I'm not asking you to talk about it. They obviously come off a really big loss against the Niners, but it's not horrible. They're still 10-3. and three. What – just kind of walk me through right now what your whole thought process is with this Colts game. Kind of just open it up for us. I want to hear what you have to say about them. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for this one. I mean, the Colts and the Saints played in the Super Bowl, and that was an all-time classic. Uh, so I, I really hope we see a match of like that caliber. I mean, uh, as we've seen, anything can happen when you play New Orleans Saints. Uh, Atlanta was able to pull out a dub against them, and Atlanta hasn't hasn't been good this year. Um, they pulled out a thriller against the Texans, ended up winning. They pulled out a thriller against the 49ers, and, I mean, they didn't win. So anything can happen. It, I think it's kind of in the Colts field. Obviously, the Saints are favored, and 100% every dollar I have, I'll bet the Saints are going to win this game. Um, but the Colts can really do a lot because – The Saints' offense, it's hard to stop. Their defense looks really good, except they can't stop big plays. Um, That that can happen at any moment. The Saints can have you in a, I mean, fourth and ten, and you're able to throw a a 50-yard bomb. Like that, that's just what history has shown about New Orleans. So the Colts do have a fighting chance because who knows when they can slip out a 50-yard bomb. Um I still think the Saints are going to win this game. They're really good I this year. Uh, their hearts just got broken, uh, but I, I don't. I don't see them losing. I don't see them having. They played such a good game against the 49ers that I don't see them coming and like pissed off. Like we have to win this game. So much on the table because really a whole lot's not on the table. That the Saints are already in the playoffs, um, but they're not going to lose another big game because this is a big game in my opinion it's monday night how any monday night game is a big game so the the saints i don't know they they need to put on a show they need to build trust in their defense at least i need to see more of their defense so i can trust them so i hope this is the week that that happens i hope jacoby Brissett uh just kind of shits down his leg i hope he can't find any open receivers and i don't know we've throughout the season Early, early in the year when Teddy Bridgewater was playing, the Saints defense looked unstoppable. Sean, Pay- Sean Payton went on the record multiple times of saying, if we played eight quarters of football, I think we wouldn't have given up a single touchdown. That's been said about them this year. But after watching game against the 49ers, damn, really anything can happen against the Saints. You never know when they're uh, going to, I don't know, when they're going to let up a 90-yard touchdown or – they're going to let up a 61-yard touchdown in the playoffs. It's You never know what can happen. Yeah, the Saints are an interesting team sometimes. They had a, a horrible loss in the playoffs, obviously. But this is a team that has been there in the NFC Championship game, it seems, the past two years. They've been really good. And again, here they're sitting at 10-3. and three. They just lost a really close game after Drew Brees left about 30 seconds, maybe a little bit more on the clock after scoring what seemed to be the game-winning touchdown. This is a hard team to beat, the Saints. They're good. You say that they've got a good defense. One thing they struggle with is the big plays. Well, 
That's the one thing the Colts struggle with as well. <laughs> True. They're great. They're great in a seven-point game, okay? There are a few teams that if I'm down seven or I'm up seven, that I would take over the Colts, I feel like, just because they've got all the pieces, it seems. They've got a good defense. They're, the sum of the defense is better than the parts of the defense. They all aren't great by themselves, but together they're they're really good. Jacoby Brissett. He's not a top 15 quarterback. I thought he was, but he's not. He's just proven it. He's not that guy. But you know what Jacoby Brissett's not going to do? Go out and lose your game. But this is obviously a, a Drew Brees winning type game. I don't think that the Saints are too worried that they need this game to win. I don't think they're going in with that. But they do realize that 10-3 and three, or 11 and 3 is a whole lot different than 10 and 4. And you start messing with this old cuz right now they're tied with the Packers at 10 and 3. They have I believe they have the tiebreaker. They're still a second seed. So if they lose it, they go from having a bye week to having played week 1 of the playoffs. And I think the Saints team can obviously still play week 1, but you're taking the bye, correct? You obviously want the bye. Oh, 100%. Any team's dumb to not want the bye. Especially if you know you can make a run at the playoffs, you have to rest your players. You got to rest your stars. Um, yeah, the NFC has been so tight that the, the I mean, the remaining three games I think are all must wins to get the bye. If uh, like you said, eleven, what is it, eleven and three is a lot better than ten and four. So that that this is a big game in the sense that it's it, to them so much riding the playoffs is on the line. It's not a big game in the sense that they need to beat the Colts to make a statement. Because beating the beating the Colts is not a statement game. But to get a first round bye, you're gonna have to beat the Colts and they're gonna have to win out, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not a statement win to beat the Colts. It's a statement win, though, after losing to a really good 49ers team to come out and handle business against a six and seven Colts team. One last thing before we end this conversation. Michael Thomas. 121 reception yards. I believe the record is 144. Okay, so he's looking at about 23 carries or catches left. A little over seven the remaining three games. Does he get it or no? Yes, he gets it. I mean, you want to talk about Mr. Consistent, Mr. Reliable. Let's start the MVP chant now for him, all right? He deserves it. He I mean, he's consistent. Look at the past three seasons in the league. The dude's caught more balls than anyone ever has. And, I mean, he's only going to continue to do that. He's going to he's gonna catch – well, he's got three games left, and you said he needs 23. He, he's going to catch at least 10 passes in each one of those games because that's what Michael Thomas does. He's so young. He's only going to get better. I, I think, in my opinion, I think he deserves MVP this year. And if he doesn't get it this year, when he goes out and catches 15 footballs, every game that season, he better win it then because he's consistent. And, I mean, what more do you want out of wide receiver? The dude is insane. Well, it seems awfully uh, out there that Michael Thomas deserves the MVP, so I'm not going to acknowledge that. But with that being said, Fudd, it is always great talking to you each and every week. Um, We've got an exciting week coming up, and we're on the home stretch. We we just previewed week fifteen. We only got about three more weeks of this left, so 
And then we're on to the playoffs. It's looking pretty exciting, isn't it? Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, this is the best part of the NFL season because now we know what each team has. We know, we know what we can expect from them, and we know what we need to see to be believers in them. So I hope every football fan is just drooling to watch these games this week because I think this is probably one of the biggest lineups so far. Um, I'm pumped to see it. The Saints are going to get another win, and Michael Thomas is only going to prove to you why he should be in the MVP conversation this year. Well, then we don't even need to have this conversation anymore. But as always, like I said, it was great talking to you. You have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you next week. Go Saints!